And welcome to Talk the Talk. I am Buzz Eisenberg. Bill Newman is playing hooky today. But we have, uh, well, a, a very favorite guest who's on regularly, and that is the Massachusetts Teachers Association President, Max Page. Hello, Max. Good morning, Buzz. Well, I just uh, read an article that said, after all night bargaining, the Newton School Committee and the teachers failed to reach a deal to end the strike. Uh, what do you know about that, if anything? Well, having been there until midnight, um, <laughs> supporting their bargaining and hoping that uh, there could be a good resolution, um, I know some, <laughs> for sure. Very disappointing. Uh, I don't want to speak for them, although I will just say what uh, the Newton Teachers Association have, has already said publicly about this at 6.30 this morning, meaning they were there all night. Um, when I was there, there was the assumption that uh, things were close. Uh, but as they said, and I'll just read that statement, um, you know, they said that despite bargaining through the night, the school committee ended negotiations with, stri- with striking Newton educators at 6 a.m., leaving unresolved a return-to-work agreement and a commitment on securing social workers for every school. Um, and then they said the school committee chair, Chris Bresky, lost all integrity yesterday after Bresky publicly declared that money remained the only issue separating the Newton Teachers Association and the school committee. The union um, significantly adjusted its financial proposal. By 4 a.m., the financial proposals between the two parties were identical. Um, hmm. So I think that, you know, there's really, they very... They uh, really backtracked, that is the school committee, on some of the things that had already been agreed. And, uh, you know, I think they are they are trying, as some previous school committees have done, which is to try to uh, extort money from the, the members at, by in, inventing costs associated with the strike. So it's very disturbing, and I will say that the, in another disturbing part has been the governor's decision to intervene on the side of the on the employer, uh, a really uh, very troubling development that happened yesterday. And I, I want to talk about that, Max Page, about the, the Massachusetts law and, and public employees' rights to collectively bargain. But I, just what I read is that the... Uh, uh, the Newton Union is uh, saying that the school committee is attempting to extract more than a million dollars from educators as part of a return to work agreement. And it wanted to charge the union for costs associated with the strike, such as police details. Is, is that your understanding that what the school committee is trying to do is to make people pay for their uh, desire to uh, withhold their work uh, when terms and conditions of employment are are unfair in their view? Is that your understanding? Uh, that is the understanding, yes. They're, um, they are trying, as I say, I consider it extortion um, to say, like, well, we finally resolved any of the issues um, and then uh, to come in with this sort of these, these as you see in the, in the, in the news articles, extracting more than a million dollars uh, from educators. I mean, it's it's really appalling. And unfortunately, they were enabled by, I think, the, or encouraged to take this kind of um, just ridiculous and divisive stance by uh, the governor's actions, the secretary of education trying to 
intervene on the side of the employer. Max, this is Dan. Can you tell us a little bit more about the governor's uh, intervention? I mean, what what are you willing to share well, with us? What, what intervention happened? And tell us a little well, bit more. Well, they sorry they um, they they issued a statement, um, but they that is the Secretary of Education's you know calling for arbitration, um, which is you know this is, which is not part of the the way things are done or the way the court has operated, and uh, really suggesting that you know. Uh, Really, it came out as like pressuring the the union to uh, end this, even though they have been negotiating nonstop, and I have witnessed that nonstop, and and making appropriate, you know, compromises in order to get to to a deal. So, and then I think the the Commonwealth Employment Relations Board (CERB) CERB uh, joined with the school committee, and that's a governor-appointed group, and they were clearly directed to kind of call for much higher fines and to go to arbitration. So it's really unfortunate to to have um, this Democratic governor side with the management against um, employees. Max so, Page, uh, it, it, it's an, we've heard this, well, for a very long time, this uh, question about whether public employees, whether or not their obligation to the public should uh, outweigh their uh, right in all other contexts to collectively bargain, to join with other co-workers and to um, discuss the terms and conditions of employment in a bargaining table with the possibility of withholding their services, we call it a strike, from the employer. It, could you articulate what the position as president of the Massachusetts Teachers Association is on why should public employees be able to strike like all others can? So we, we have filed a legislation on this point. We believe that um, the right to withhold one's labor is sort of a, a part of a broader set of human rights, and we think it was a mistake for that to be taken away from public sector unions. What we have proposed, Buzz, is a very reasonable compromise proposition, which is there must be six months of good faith bargaining on both sides. Only after that six months could a strike be authorized. So this is um, basically there would be a clock ticking the moment the, 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 the school committee and the union sits down to begin negotiating, and it puts pressure on management where there is no pressure right now. And I really think it's important to note the context here, which is that bargaining for this contract in Newton began in October, not October 2023, but October 2022. And the part of the anger in here, but other places as well, is that the school committee simply stalled for months and months and months and months and hoped to wait out the union. So here we have high-priced union-busting lawyers. This is Liz Valerio of Valerio and Dominello, who have been at the heart of the most divisive, um, you know, uh, contract disputes in the state, fomenting anger and division, um, and ultimately leading members who never thought they would ever go on strike to decide, you know what, this is the only way. We will get response to the needs for mental health in our schools, lifting poverty pay of our paraprofessionals, getting legitimate paid parental leave for um, a profession 
that is two-thirds women and yet does not have access to the state's paid parental leave program, and on and on and on. But I think it's so important to recognize there is no pressure, there is no punishment for bad faith bargaining by uh, the by management. And that's why in a few places, six places out of 400 locals that we have in the Massachusetts Teachers Association chose on their own that they had to do this, that they had to take this uh, step. It, it also shows that the allegation on the part of the school committee chair that um, this is uh, only about money. There are other issues that um, have nothing to do with money or at least uh, remotely related to money um, that are at issue. Dan, you have a question for Max. I, I do, Max. I, I actually want to zoom out a little bit and talk about education in Massachusetts. I mean, this is one of the most important industries in Massachusetts. The state invests a lot of money in education. And in recent years, you know this, Andover, Malden, Brookline, Woburn, and Haverhill have all gone on strike. So my question to you is, what is happening at the state level, I guess they call it Chapter 70 funding, um, that uh, is is not, uh, I mean, what's happening with Chapter 70 funding, I guess is my question there. Um, well, yeah. So, yeah. so Chapter 70 being the main source of funds from the state to the municipalities. Um, so we won a, a tremendous victory with the Student Opportunity Act back in 2019, and that was to, you know, um, win uh, dramatically increased funding for districts. Now, that mainly helped the neediest district, as was right, the, you know, Holyoke and Springfield and Worcester and New, Fall River and New Bedford and so on. So there were many middle-income communities um, that did not benefit. And that is certainly part of the story here, um, that districts who did not get that much out of that Student Opportunity Act um, saying they are constrained. But this is a lot of also um, kind of invention by some of these districts. Some of these are very wealthy districts, Andover and and uh, Newton, for instance, and frankly, Brookline as well. And they have just played the austerity politics. Even though they're making a contract that's, that goes for four years, they're saying, oh, we know that in four years we won't have the money. And I think that's a really people need to understand. We make budgets each year in our, our districts. There may be more money from the state. There may be ways to get money from, um, you know, from overrides. And frankly, Newton has a $2 billion budget as a city, and it also has tens of millions of dollars of free cash. I mean, this was established early on that there was a, there was a lot of money available um, to, for this, really the, the totally reasonable proposals that were happening here. So certainly, Dan, I think that there is continued strain. We see this out in Western Mass, a lot of communities out here, Northampton, Amherst, Hampshire Regional. So we have to fix that, that problem. But it also has to do with priorities by school committees and you know, mayors and town managers. It does. And, and Max Page, Bill Newman and I had a little disagreement um, on the air yesterday because we were... The, oh, I, I had, can't believe I missed that. Yeah, I know. You missed... Oh, it was really a lot of fun. No, it wasn't that bad. Um, it actually... It was spurred by the fact that the Daily Hampshire Gazette, above the fold, was the story of the budget crisis involving the schools here in the Northampton school system. And um, and we then went to Amherst, which is having a shortfall, and the Hilltowns, which are all experiencing a, well, I don't want to call it a crisis, but 
real hardship as a result of a school budget continuing to be a problem. At the same time, we're all calling for fairness for those who work to educate our children and our and secure our future. So I suggested that maybe the fair share amendment didn't go far enough, and we really have to think hard about taxing people who make a ton of money um, and use the fair share amendment as a starting point. And Bill said that's not going to happen. Um, what is your position with respect to taxation here in Massachusetts? Dan pointed out, well, if we tax wealthy people, they're going to leave the state and we'll lose business. Uh, I didn't say that. I just said the governor, for full correction, the governor believes that and has argued that. Well, that's why she did the tax cuts. Everybody's fighting with me, Max. I am. <laughs> what do you think, Max? Well, all right. So first thing, that that argument, unfortunately, which is um, I'm really disappointed that she is dug into that argument, which has been disproven over and over again. It's, it's what it's the rhetoric that gets put forward by the Mass Taxpayers Association and others over and over again. We have not seen millionaires leave since the, since the uh, fair share amendment was passed because and we knew that because other places, California, Minnesota, New York, other New Jersey, what, that raised taxes on the very wealthiest did not see the exit as well. What we're seeing, the exit, is because of middle-income people or working-class people who can't afford to live here um, in the state. So th- that's a serious, serious issue. The Fair Share Amendment is investing in the things that make us prosperous, education and transportation, absolutely essential for our long-term prosperity. And the wealthy are here because this is a great place to do business, enormous, amazing, educated people, and they like to live here. And they like to send their kids to our outstanding public schools. So that's simply false. I think, you know, the main issue is is not necessarily uh, additional taxes, which may be needed at some point, um, but also the tax cuts. Um, look, there were some good tax cuts in that package for working people. I'm not sure that tax cuts are the best way to solve a lot of those problems, um, but they were at least directed to the right people. But there was, a, you know, $350 million that went to very wealthy people. Um, that was a complete waste. The short-term and capital gains cut, right? The short-term capital gains and also the estate tax that really uh, helped mainly the, the wealthiest with estates of $3 million or more. And so that's uh, that's just... For, to my mind, utterly wasted money. It's a give back to the super wealthy. That money could have been used for schools, for higher education, for, for whatever else that um, that we need. So that's the kind of um, backtracking from what the people wanted that I find disturbing. Well, that's a great place to leave it. Uh, Max Page, we are so lucky to have you not only as the president of the Massachusetts Teachers Association, but also here on Talk to Talk as a regular. Thank you so much for your insights, Max. All right. Thanks, Buzz. Thanks, Dan. We're going to be right back with Professor Salman Hamid. We're going to talk about the success of the Japanese moon mission and other thing. When you ask him what's up, we really mean what's up. We'll be right back. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg.